This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the Senate Judiciary Committee has approved a bill to protect healthcare companies from being sued over the COVID crisis. And we are asking in this piece of legislation that we protect our healthcare industry that has gone over and above the call of duty in order to protect and serve every resident of the state who needed help. Backers of the bill say it protects the health care heroes. Opponents say it only protects their employers, especially the bad ones. It is a bill that does nothing for nursing home residents other than protect the bad actors. The governor travels to the Venice Community Center to announce new vaccination sites and do a victory dance of sorts. Ron DeSantis says he was right and other states got it wrong. We did what was right by students and families, and we're much better for that. And the fact that you're going to have schools that are going to be closed for this entire school year and probably even into the fall uh, is a national disgrace. The unions that represent police, firefighters, teachers, and other public employees are under attack in the legislature again. AFL-CIO lobbyist Rich Templin questions the timing and the intent. Why is the Florida Senate in a time of great crisis and a pandemic that most impacts the very workers who are impacted by this bill pursuing, no, actually rushing at breakneck speed legislation like this without any data or evidence of a problem and that nobody directly impacted is asked for? The simple answer is that most Florida lawmakers are anti-union, and they take great delight in poking the hornet's nest. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and close with the story of a Florida man who is jailed after threatening to kill his girlfriend and eat her children after she dumped him while they were on vacation. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, February 11th. On this date in 2013, Pope Benedict announced his resignation, the first pope to resign in office since 1415. One year ago today, snow fell in Baghdad, only the second time in a century. This is International Day of Women and Girls in Science, National Guitar Day, National Inventors Day, National Make-A-Friend Day, and Don't Cry Over Spilled Milk Day. Florida's Department of Health reported 7,537 additional cases of COVID-19 Wednesday and 165 additional fatalities. Our death toll has reached 28,691, and when the updated numbers are released today, the total number of COVID cases in Florida will exceed 1,800,000. Despite the casualties, Governor Ron DeSantis is doing a victory dance because he claims Florida is handling this better than most states. We've always focused on our vulnerable population, whether it was nursing homes at the front end or seniors first now with the vaccines. And I think that approach has proven to be uh, more effective. I watch what's going on in our country and it's like, oh, well, after 100 days, we will have maybe half the kids can go to school for one day. And I'm like, we've been open the whole time for schools. We've been open since August in person, every parent. Every parent has a right to send their kid in person um, the vast majority exercised that right, and the ones that did uh, virtual, many of them immediately tried to get their, their kids in person. Uh, we followed the evidence and the data. We didn't follow special interests. We didn't follow hysteria. We did what was right by students and families, and we're much better for that. And the fact that you're going to have schools that are going to be closed for this entire school year, and probably even into the fall, uh, is a national disgrace. Florida led on education. We were there for our working parents. We were there for our students. Uh, and we're going to continue to do that. And we are not turning back. 
The governor made those remarks at the Venice Community Center in Sarasota County, where the state set up a temporary vaccination site. The plan is to do 3,000 shots by the time they close on Friday. We have vaccinated more seniors, over 1.5 million reported, and probably closer to 1.7 actual because these reports take four or five days to really be current. Uh, that is way, way more than any other state by hundreds and hundreds of thousands. Uh, of all the people that have been vaccinated in Florida, close to 75% of all shots have gone to senior citizens. And we are now about 35% of all of our 4.4 million seniors have received at least one shot. And so we believe that the seniors first is the right approach. Uh, we believe it's reflected in the numbers uh, in terms of the vaccines. And we also think as we go forward in a few weeks, you're gonna start to see it reflected in the COVID numbers. Now we, we're going down, everyone's going down on this across the country, hospital admissions, hospital census, emergency room visits. Uh, maybe that's just a natural cycle, but I do think you're going to start seeing this vaccine effects kick in uh, and you will see fewer seniors as a percentage, uh, hopefully uh, going to the emergency department and going to hospitals. And that's what it's all about. Keep people healthy, make sure that they can live their lives in a very full uh, and, and dynamic fashion. We don't want people to have to be isolated in their homes, being scared. We want you to be able to have confidence to go out, see your friends and family. And obviously, when you have a 95% vaccine, that's a great way to be able to do it. According to Wednesday's COVID-19 vaccine report, almost 1,300,000 Floridians have received their first dose. 823,000 have received their second and final dose of either the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccines. A bill to immunize the healthcare industry from COVID liability lawsuits is approved by the Senate Judiciary Committee in Tallahassee. Senator Jeff Brandis of St. Pete says lawsuits should only be allowed if the hospital or nursing home is guilty of gross negligence, which is a very high legal standard to prove. We have asked our healthcare providers to make incredible sacrifices. We have asked our hospitals to stay open, to defer surgeries, to, to you know, go to extraordinary means because they are our safety net. We have asked nursing homes to step up and to not close their doors, to ensure that they maintain their staffing levels, even as their staff got sick. We have asked them to, to deal with, the COVID, uh, with the pandemic for months without the proper equipment. In fact, there are many pictures of those in different healthcare facilities wearing trash bags, wearing homemade masks, wearing shower caps as their personal protective equipment. We have seen them reuse and wash and try to sanitize, not because that's what the, the, the medical science said should be done. Many of these items were meant to be disposable, but because at the time, that was the very best option they had in order to keep both their patients safe, but their staff safe. We have lost thousands of healthcare workers who have struggled through this. And we are asking in this piece of legislation that we protect our healthcare industry that has gone over and above the call of duty in order to protect and serve every resident of the state 
who needed help. Jacksonville attorney Steve Wattrell says the Brandis bill strips patients of their fundamental rights in order to protect nursing homes, even the bad ones. We all agree that uh, our Florida elders deserve the highest and utmost respect. And by law, they have resident rights. What this law does, if enacted, completely guts the resident rights and takes away their right to adequate and appropriate health care. We know most of the COVID infections are at facilities that have had a long history of infection citations. We shouldn't reward these facilities. The bill should be fair and should protect nursing home residents as well as ALF residents. That's why we ask you to vote no on this bill. It is a bill that does nothing for nursing home residents other than protect the bad actors. Barbara Devane with the Florida Alliance for Retired Americans has heard this all before. We used to have one of the strongest laws in the country protecting people who live in nursing homes, but lawmakers have been chipping away at it for years, making it harder for them to sue. The tort reformers come and go about every 20 years. So in the early 2000s, they got our laws weakened so that we had less protection as old people and the disabled in nursing homes. And here we go again. The only people that this bill will protect are the owners, the corporate owners of nursing homes. They make a lot of money off of us who are residents in nursing homes, and they want to make more with bills like this. None of this swayed Senator Dennis Baxley. He claims Florida's nursing home system will collapse if they can't stop the lawsuits. We need to look at big picture issues. I think this is the most significant thing we can do to secure the stability of the economy of Florida that operates all these businesses and that all of us work in and work for. You can destroy this fairly easily. And the history with liability is if it's an act of war, nature, God, natural disaster, these things are bigger than us and resolving individual disputes. These are things that can crush you. And you have to deal with that big picture. And I think if we don't, we are going to be in a very difficult situation. You've got to preserve the overall function before you can get back to these individual cases. You know what? It hurts the employee more than anybody if you don't preserve the entity. When these businesses close, they can't serve anybody. When they close, they can't hire anybody. We cannot risk destroying the whole model while we're looking at these other issues. All of those things are important, but we have to deal with the stability of a system that has all the signs that could be a disaster. Supporters of the bill talk about greedy lawyers who plan to exploit the COVID crisis. But Senator Tina Polsky says that's a false narrative. And she says it does not protect healthcare heroes who put their lives on the line. It only protects the owners. I hope everyone knows how much I and my colleagues appreciate healthcare facilities, uh, nursing homes, hospitals, individual doctors. They are our friends and allies in this fight against this horrible pandemic. I speak to them very regularly about how things are going, and there is just zero animosity, only hope that, um, you know, we can provide the kind of support they need and uh, we have their backs. But we also represent individuals, employees of these facilities, nurses, doctors, the residents, patients, as well as the owners and executives of these facilities. And I believe it is our job to look out for them. The judicial system is there as a check on illegal activities, 
for safety, for negligence, and to find the truth. There are good lawyers and bad. There are good nursing homes and bad. But we can't legislate assuming every lawsuit is frivolous and every lawyer is out to shut down nursing homes. There are um, many instances of where a healthcare provider is doing a better job because of a prior lawsuit or because fear of a lawsuit. And if we take away the possibility of them being called out on negligent actions, then what's to stop them? We can't legislate out of fear. Our current system is well-equipped to handle these kinds of cases and ferret out the ones without merit. There is a way to balance this, but this bill has just gone too far by blocking access to our courts. Senate Bill 74 passed the Judiciary Committee on a vote of six to four, Republicans voting yes, Democrats voting no. Next stop is the Health Policy Committee. The governor's bill to crack down on protesters gets a failing grade for more than 100 law professors across the country. Governor DeSantis wants to make it easier to arrest demonstrators and keep them in jail. In a letter to the Senate president and the House Speaker, the former dean of the Loyola Law School says that bill is blatantly unconstitutional because it severely restricts fundamental rights to speech and assembly, and that law enforcement already has enough laws to prosecute individuals who engage in violent behavior. The 119 professors who signed on to that letter also say the only solution to political unrest in the long run will be those which reckon with the stranglehold of wealthy interests on government, racial injustice, the decline of civic and community life, and other serious structural problems that prevent Floridians from enjoying full equality and dignity. Good luck with that in the Florida legislature. Next up on Sunrise, they're sticking it to the unions. Florida lawmakers love to play a game called Let's Screw the Unions. And one of the best examples this year is the bill from Senator Ray Rodriguez of Estero, known as the Paycheck Protection Act. Senate Bill 78 says union dues cannot be deducted from an employee's paycheck unless the boss reconfirms that the worker really wants to be a member. Think of it as a double tap, if you will. And whenever there's a new union contract, they'd have to do the whole thing all over again. Lisa Henning with the Fraternal Order of Police says the officers they represent are facing all sorts of problems this year, and this should not be one of them. The Fraternal Order of Police are opposed to the bill, mainly because this specific session of 2021 is seeing law enforcement come under attack in many areas. And when my members, my officers need protection more than they ever have, we are now dealing with a situation where if an officer forgets to make a payment or does not have an employer that is adequately reaffirming their desire to be a member of the union, they will not be covered. Um, and they need a lot of legal protection at this time. The teachers union doesn't like it either. Stephanie Kunkel with the Florida Education Association says the Senate bill does not help employees or employers. It only increases the paperwork. Dr. Rich Templin with the Florida AFL-CIO says none of the public service workers or their employers asked for this, and none of them say there's a problem. So he wonders why this bill is even on the Senate agenda. This legislation is unnecessary. There's, there's been no dispute of that. There's no compelling argument. In the state of Florida, joining a union in the public sector is very easy. Leaving the union is just as easy. You sign a form, you sign another form. That's it. Easy peasy. So why? Why are we doing this? Who's asking for this? This is along the lines of some of your questions. Now, my phone has been ringing off the hook from frightened frontline workers about this legislation. I'll bet your phones have been ringing, too. Now, how many workers are asking for this? 
Where are the public sector employees asking for this? Who, who's requesting more work, more costs, more chaos? Who here in this room is asking for this? Well, we've seen over the last couple of weeks, Florida Chamber of Commerce, Associated Industries of Florida, the Mackinac Center, who has filed this bill in 10 other states. Now, what, what do any of these groups that have testified in favor of this bill have to do with public sector workers or public sector employers? They're not involved in any way, shape, or form. Who involved with this process has asked for this legislation? Why is the Florida Senate in a time of great crisis and a pandemic that most impacts the very workers who are impacted by this bill pursuing, no, actually rushing at breakneck speed legislation like this without any data or evidence of a problem and that nobody directly impacted is asked for? Longtime advocates, as most of you are for smaller government, are now asking for bigger government and more regulation. Longtime critics of, of the nanny state are asking the government to tell full grown people, full grown adults to go back and say, are you sure you wanna do this? The most outspoken supporter of the bill is the Florida Chamber of Commerce, which is kind of bizarre because the chamber represents private business and this bill only affects public employers and their employees. Chris Emanuel at the chamber says they're doing it all in the name of good governance. The Florida Chamber of Commerce is interested in the administration of our government. And we're talking about public sector unions and the ability for them and what processes they have to uh, go through in order to get money from the public servant to administer the union. And we've kind of heard uh, a variety of things here, either that this bill is unnecessary because it only does a little bit, or it is a massive overreach because it sends in a lot of regulations. And what I would say is that this is a good governance piece of legislation that ensures that everyone is following the same set of rules. Floridians have a interest in the good governance and making sure that everybody plays by the same rules. And we ask for your favorable support on this measure. So you see, it has nothing to do with busting unions in a right-to-work state. Nope, it's all about good governance. The bill has now been approved by two Senate committees, but there is no companion bill in the House. That is usually a problem, but lawmakers who are determined to screw the unions will find a way. Your calendar of events. At 9, the Florida Supreme Court hears arguments in four cases, including appeals in two murder cases from Pinellas County. The Governing Board of the South Florida Water Management District meets online at 9. The Florida Commission on Human Relations meets at 9 to interview candidates to become their next executive director. The Florida Supreme Court releases opinions at 11. The Governing Board of the Northwest Florida Water Management District meets at 1 in Pensacola, and trustees of the Florida Gateway College meet at 5 in Cross City. Finally today, police in New Smyrna Beach say a Florida man who was dumped by his girlfriend while they were on vacation responded by saying he would cut up her kids and eat their brains. 37-year-old Joseph Costello is charged with making death threats and aggravated stalking. In one of the text messages, Costello told the woman he would kill her and serve her up on a plate like a turkey. In another message, he threatened her son, saying, quote, I'll dissect him limb from limb, and then I'll eat him like your gumbo, boil the brains and cook the stew. The victim told police she took the threat seriously because Costello is mentally ill. That's it for this episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.